page 1067 in the church bibles 1067 hebrews chapter 10 beginning at verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he has inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have such a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good deeds, good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Keep that open, Hebrews 10, um, because I'm just gonna, we're going to go through that. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Um, three things this morning, <laughs> three things, the Christian life. It's really about the Christian life, I think, in chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Three marks of the Christian life, I suppose you'd call it that. And the first is in verse 22. Have a look at verse 22, the Christian life. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. The first mark of the Christian life is to have a heart, to have a life filled with full assurance. Full assurance, to be assured, to be built up and to be totally assured. That is, assured about our relationship to God. A Christian is marked by assurance. We can draw near to God. Now, all of this is, is foundational, this assurance is foundational because of verses, notice verses 19 and 20. Have a look. Um, therefore, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, since we have, because we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus, he's inaugurated for us a new and living way through the curtain. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, the Christian life is a life of full assurance because we have full rights and access to the God of the universe. We can walk boldly. Notice it says there, we can walk boldly to enter into the sanctuary. That means right up into the presence of God, as far up and as close as you can get. We can walk in boldly. You imagine the temple is there. There's the, the, not, we, it's not the altar now, but the altar in the Old Testament, all of the Old Testament stuff having on. And it's only a little room and there's a little room that only certain people can go into at a certain time and then beyond that there's another room that other people can go into at a particular time 
and it's all very holy and sacred and there are spots where God is the presence of God and where certain people are allowed and there are all other spots in the temple they even have courts out the back so some of us would have to not even be in here we'd be in the courts out the back and there's all of this background when it says imagine all of that and someone walks in through all of the different spaces and they just walk right up into where God is, into the very heart of God. That is what this passage is saying. It's saying the Christian life has a full, the full assurance uh, of faith. And notice it uses imagery from the temple. It says uh, the sanctuary, boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Christ, which has been inaugurated through the curtain, that is the flesh, through his death, all of this imagery about the sanctuary, the curtain, uh, we can now walk into the boldness and the presence of God. Why? For we have a great high priest. High priest is the idea of mankind being mediated, a bridge to God. This means now we are reconciled. We can know God. And look at verse 23. Verse 23. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, the first mark of being Christian, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with water. You know that th this, this passage, this phrase, the evil conscience, remember earlier last week we, we saw the blood was sprinkled over all of the parts of the temple, there was blood everywhere, sprinkled on the sanctuary, sprinkled on the spring, all of the sacrifice. This is using the same imagery. Now we're sprinkled our hearts sprinkled we have a clear conscience that means everything we can walk into the presence of God um, Lady Macbeth I did at school I did uh, not a lot of English I didn't really enjoy it that much but one of the things they made us read was Macbeth and I kind of half read it I think I read the, the summary but apparently Lady Macbeth um, She's trying to get her spots out. She's trying to clean herself. She can't, no matter how much she cleans herself, doesn't matter how many times she goes to the temple, doesn't matter how much sacrifice, she can't get the damn spots out. A more um, relevant, well, more modern example, there's a movie called The Fisher King in the 80s, I think it is. Jeff Bridges is in it. He's a trash-talking, loudmouth radio shock jock. Uh, and one night he makes this contemptuous remark to one of the callers very contemptuous. He tries to shock this caller, as the shock jocks do. Anyway, this caller gets off the call, he goes into a spin, it sets him off. This is a movie, it's not a real story, but it sets him off and he goes into a restaurant, he kills a bunch of people, kills himself. It's pretty awful. And of course, Jeff Bridges, this just flattens him, this talk show host, because he's, you know, he's affected someone's life. And he becomes an alcoholic. It's a wonderful movie, very uplifting. He's wandering the streets, but he meets Robin Williams who's homeless and whose wife died in this shooting. And in this movie, th this is such a wonderful, it's a great example of guilt, really, and of how he spends the rest of the movie, he tries everything he can throughout the whole movie to try and get this guy off the streets. And all through the movie, he's doing everything he can because he's trying to wipe out, right, wipe out the spots. And in, in, there's some point in the movie, toward, kind of three-quarters toward the end, because it doesn't matter what he does, he can't help this guy. And he says, kind of really tired, he says, why can't I just pay the price and go home? Oh, 
the amount, of, the amount that's just weighing on him. And what this passage is saying is the first mark of a Christian is someone who knows that they are totally, totally valued in God what got through what God has done in Jesus. No matter how far you have gone and no matter how far you have wandered and whatever you have done, the Christian knows with full assurance, yes, they're a sinner, they're someone who has sinned, but they are loved by God and valued by him because of this foundation of what Jesus has done. He's the one who has entered the curtain. He is the curtain. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a Welsh preacher, used to ask people, are you a Christian? And many times he would get back from people, well, I'm trying. Well, I'm trying. And you know what he said next? He said, I know. He'd even say to them, I know, well, I know you're not a Christian. <laughs> or Because... Because the first mark of a Christian is to know what, that it's been done all for you, that it's based on faith. Look at this, look at what it says there. Does it say, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have boldness to enter the sanctuary. Look what it says, through your blood. No, through the blood of Jesus. And notice it says there, we have hearts, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith through what we do. No, through faith. Because it's through faith, it means it's through trust, it's through looking at something else. And it's through placing our trust in Him and in what God has done. And so the first mark of a Christian is they have full assurance and it's not arrogant to say, I know where I'm going, I know who I belong to. Why? Because it's all based on faith, it's based on the grace of God and what He's done through Jesus. I know this is the message a lot each week. But this is the message we we need. It's called grace. And the reason why we need it each week is because each week we come to church and we think, oh, yes, I'm, I'm here because it's what I've done. Or even if we don't say that, I know we don't say that, but it's functionally, functionally, it's how we live. We do feel that somehow God has to, we're kind of in his graces at some level. So it knocks out all of our pride. But on the other side, there are some of us who kind of think, I never really could be deserving of what God has done for me. I don't actually think I'm worthy at all. But you see how this is saying it's got, you are worthy. You see how it's the same, the gospel tells you at the same time. Well, for those of us who are building our life on this edifice of pride and we think, yeah, I'm a Christian because I've, brought up a, I've been brought up a Christian or I lived a particular life or whatever, it's saying no. <laughs> through faith, but you can have full assurance it's knocking our pride out. But do you see how it, at the same time, because it's through grace, it's saying to those of us who are weary and saying, I don't really deserve of God, it's saying, how, don't think it's about you. <laughs> it's through the assurance of what God has done. And so the mark of a Christian is someone who is assured and has the full assurance, not the partial assurance, the full assurance of boldly walking into the sanctuary, through past the curtain, true heart sprinkled from a clean, from an evil conscience. I know I've said it many times, but you know, the gospel at the same time tells us how much we've done, how much we've walked away. And at the same time, it tells us that we are loved and valued more than we could ever imagine. Two little, two small things Two more things as we finish with the mark of a Christian. The second is the Christian holds on to the truth. Have a look at verse 23. Hold on 
Alongside full assurance, the Christian is one who holds on to the confession of our hope without wavering. Here, this is talking about confession, meaning when we hear confession, we think of negatively probably of sins and things like that, but it's talking about holding on to the confession of our faith, what we say about Jesus, what we believe about Jesus, the truth about who Jesus is. We confess that we follow Jesus with our lips and with our lives. And it's saying here, hold on to the truth. Be people of the truth. And notice um, that the, the, the actual basis for it is, verse 28, it says, oh, sorry, verse 22, it says, let us draw near with assurance of faith. Verse 23, let us hold on to the confession of our hope. Why? What's the basis of that? Since, because, he who has promised is faithful. God is true and faithful. And so we are people of truth and faithfulness. And so we are people that hold on to the confession of hope. There is great pressure in the book of Hebrews in the first century for them to walk away from the Christian faith. It's much easier to be people of the Old Testament uh, and to turn back to their Jewish ways of life. This is what the, the, by the book is written. Once they become a Christian, there's pressure with regard to their work, with regard to their safety, their family, but they're told to hold on to keep living for Jesus. Now, for us today in Australia, I know we're not persecuted in the same way, but people think that Christianity is ridiculous or offensive or crazy. This is saying to us, keep holding on fast to what Jesus has done, to the truth about Jesus, and don't take that for granted. Um, I was reminded this week about how precious it is the stories of Jesus and knowing Jesus and how much access we have. At ESL this week, um, there was one lady who had heard some of the stories of Jesus. We, re we, did, um, we did the story, uh, I did a story about Jesus inviting sinners to come and sit with him. And we talked about the sin, the sin uh, are the ones who need doctors, the sinners, you know, the righteous don't need the doctor and all of this and it was the Jesus story. And the, the delight with one of the students to actually, we desperately wanted to hear this in their own heart language. And I think, I think in their country, they're not, they're not allowed or don't have access to Jesus and to what he's done, I'm pretty sure. Um, but they were really wanted to hear. So next week, of course, I'm going to bring um, some of these stories in their heart language. But just the desire when they heard about Jesus... And in the story, when we read it out, and of course, they're expecting God is only interested in righteous people. God only wants those who are healthy. But of course, the story was about Jesus sitting with the sinners and everybody, all the righteous people looking on and saying, why does Jesus do this? And the beauty of that was just broken through in this story. It's very simple but the point is, they didn't have this story, they didn't have Jesus, and they were desperate to hear more about the truth of Jesus and what he has done. Hold on to the truth of what God has done, full assurance of faith, and the third and the last mark of a Christian is, it was really wonderfully illustrated about in our little story about cheering each other on, 
The mark of the Christian, the third mark, is to be people that don't give up on each other, encouraging each other. Have a look uh, in verses 24 and 25. Verse 24, let us watch out for one another to provoke or stir up love, not neglecting together, is verse 25, and encouraging each other. Two little things here, which we talked a little bit about, but let's keep encouraging each other. And also, that's from verse 25, and also notice the other one is provoke. That's kind of a harder word. It's like agitate. But the goal is, you notice there it says, provoke toward love. And so in a way, this is about the Christian community, about on the one side you've got provoking, there are those of us who are good at that, (laughs) agitating for truth. There are those of us who are the encouragers. I think both of them are in the Christian community. But the encouragement is to do both of these things and to be people that are stirring up in order to love each other and to encourage each other and to keep meeting together to do that. The Christian life is a life of full assurance. Secondly, it's a life holding on to the confession and it's a life of meeting together, of encouraging each other and of stirring each other up to love and good works. I can't think of any other better analogy than um, Lord of the Rings. I'm apologises for those who aren't into that. But hey, I read the book a long time ago. Uh, But listen to this. Um, One of the heroes of of Lord of the Rings is a hobbit named Frodo. Frodo's quest is he's got to go to Mordor, he's got to throw this ring into the ring of power, into Mount Doom and into the fire. But alongside this journey that takes many years, um, Frodo is accompanied with Sam, his friend. And the thing about Sam is, his loyal friend, Sam alongside this whole journey walks alongside him And throughout the whole movie or book, as you read it, uh, Sam encourages his friend. He encourages him. There's one moment where um, he actually walks his friend up the mountain. (laughs) Sam carries Frodo and he can't go and he has to walk him up to Mordor. But alongside that encouragement, Sam is also speaking the truth. There are moments where he's going, you've got to keep going. This is your journey. This is the actual end point. And in this little picture of Samwise, um, we see these two principles that are actually here in, in Hebrews 10, 23. He's both true, there's both truth, he holds on to his beliefs, you've got, to, you've got to do this, you've got to do the ring, you've got to throw it into fire, these are the things that you've got to do, but he's also encouraging him. He provides both the truth and the community that's needed. Hebrews is an encouragement to keep going on, keep being on about Jesus, keep being people who are assured, have the full assurance of faith, people who hold on fast to the truth and to be people who keep encouraging each other and stirring each other up to love and good works. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Oh, Father, in the Gospel that picture that we would be people that can walk right up into the presence, into your presence, and that you delight in us, that you don't cast us away, you don't find us not acceptable, 
but that you actually long for us to be, you long for us to know you more, for us to spend time with you, that you actually call us to your side in the, in the Lord Jesus. Father, that we would be people that this week spend more time with you, delighting in your presence, that you would help us cast our eyes onto the beauty of Jesus, to delight in him. We would be people that live for you and encourage each other to love and good works. Help us to know how to do that and to be people that partake in that. In your name we pray. Amen. Invite up Vadney, he's going to lead us in some prayer. No? No, it's John. It's John. That's right. Oh, I can, I can. Ah, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we 